Welcome from all of us at Albuquerque Reformed Church, a particular congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church located in New Mexico. We thank you for joining us for this week's sermon. For more information about Albuquerque Reformed Church or to contribute to its ministry, visit abqreformed.org. And now, we invite you to open your Bible and listen to the preached word. Are you some, uh, someone who sometimes uh, struggle in finishing your deadlines? Are you someone who's, uh, who struggles in finishing your deadlines on time, whether it is at workplace or whether it is at home or whether it is um, some other work? Are you someone who is always late? But... If you set your priorities straight, if you set your priorities right, most of you will be able to finish your task on time. It's all about priority. How, we, how you prioritize uh, things and how you order your things, whether it is at workplace or family or wherever you are. We need to set our priorities right. You have to uh, begin uh, your work with the most important thing and then uh, you think about the least important thing in order. And that's true uh, for whatever we do in life. But at times, uh, we spend a lot of time on secondary issues. I think even for pastors, I think it's, it's a great temptation. Uh, because we are trying to all the time write and think and study. You go in front of the computer and there is this rabbit trail. You know, you have internet, you have Google in front of you. Okay, one thought come into your mind and you do Google search for that. The second thought come to your mind, you do Google search. The third thought, and by the time it's like, oh, it's like Friday or Saturday. My sermon is not done. So, we, this happens with us because... We don't set our priorities straight. But um, Jesus shows us that we need to set our priorities straight or set our priorities right. We have to prioritize the things which is most important for the kingdom of heaven. Amen. From verses uh, 37 to 62, we are looking at uh, five things which are usually lacking among Christians in their discipleship. Five things which are usually lacking among Christians in their discipleship. Five impediments among the believers as they labor for the kingdom of God. We are called to labor for the kingdom of God, but there are five impediments on our way. These five things are, firstly, Christ and his cross being not the center of our life. This we saw in verses 37 to 45. Secondly, lack of humility among believers. Thirdly, lack of charity among believers. And last time we looked at these uh, two from verses 46 to 50. And this time we are going to look at two other things from verses 51 to 62. These two are not leaving vengeance to God and not counting the cost of discipleship. We often get bogged down 
you know, in smaller things, in smaller fights, uh, in smaller issues. We often don't leave vengeance to God and we often not count the cost of discipleship. We say we follow Jesus, we believe in him, but we do not count the cost of what it means to be a Christian. And the reason we falter in these two areas is because our priorities are not set on things above. And when our priorities are not set right, we spend our time and energy on things which are least important for the kingdom of God. But Christ calls us to prioritize his kingdom above all. So what we are going to see today from this passage is this. Because Jesus gladly went to the cross to save you, you must prioritize kingdom business over every other business. Because Jesus gladly went to the cross to save you, you must prioritize kingdom business over every other business. Two ways this passage shows us that we must prioritize kingdom business over every other business. First, the priority of Jesus and then the demand of Jesus. First, the priority of Jesus from verses 51 to 56. The first thing which we notice here is the priority of Jesus concerning the task which was assigned to him by his heavenly father. In Luke 2, we have seen that when Jesus was 12 years old, he prioritized his father's business. His parents had gone to the temple for the yearly sacrifice and Jesus stayed back. And uh, his parents went on a day's journey, not knowing that Jesus was not in the company. But soon after they realized, they went back. And uh, finding him, they asked him why he had done such a thing. Yes. And, and what did Jesus reply? Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Even at that young age, Jesus was fully aware that the primary thing, the primary purpose of his life was to serve his heavenly father. And he prioritized that. And that was his conviction even at that age. Here we see that when the time had come for him to be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Yes. Earlier in verse 22, we had seen that Jesus told his disciples that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the uh, scribes. Uh, he will be killed. Jesus knew fully well uh, what was before him, the betrayal, the unjust uh, trial, uh, the mocking, the scourging, the uh, spitting, the nails, uh, the agony on the cross and remaining under the power of death uh, for a time. It was very clear to him. It was, it, everything was uh, uh, clear to him. It was like almost, you know, uh, of, in his mind, there was a picture of all of these things, what was going to happen uh, to him at Jerusalem. But he never hesitated, even for a moment. He never hesitated, even for a moment. He was full of tender love and compassion towards you, towards his people, so that by his stripes you will be healed, that you will not perish. It was a desire of his whole soul to procure salvation for you. And so for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. 
Now, this is the first time we read the phrase uh, received up in the Gospel of Luke. Earlier we have read that Jesus said he will be killed and be raised again on the third day. We do not worship a dead Savior. We worship a resurrected and risen uh, king, ascended king. Here Luke, even now, here he is giving up a clue that not only he will rise again from the dead, but he will ascend back to his father. There are some people, he was just like an ordinary man and he died and uh, he never came back. He never rose again from the dead. But uh, scripture clearly shows us that not only Jesus died, but he also rose again for our justification. It was important for him to rise again from the dead. Without resurrection, there was no justification for you and me. There was no salvation, but he also rose again from the dead and he ascended to his father and he sat on his right hand. Now Luke shows us that as the messengers went before him to prepare for him, they entered a village of the Samaritans, but they did not receive him because his face was uh, set for Jerusalem. Now here you must remember that the Samaritans did not have a good relationship with Jews. Yes. They were considered half-breed by the Jews, and Jews uh, hated them. And the Samaritans also uh, hated uh, Jews. And also, the Samaritans worshipped on Mount Gerizim rather than in Jerusalem. So Samaritans had their own worship place. They said that they, they worshipped Yahweh. They worshipped the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they worshipped on a different mountain. They thought that was the place where one ought to worship God rather than in Jerusalem. In John chapter 4, verse 20, we read that a Samaritan woman said to Jesus that our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place one ought to worship. According to the Samaritans, Jews were wrong in their worship practice as they worshipped in Jerusalem. Now Luke shows us that they did not receive him. In other words, they rejected him. They rejected him. Why? Because his face was set for Jerusalem. Samaritans believed that the Messiah would come to them and draw the people uh, to the mountain on which they worship instead of going to Jerusalem. But Jesus had set his face to go to Jerusalem. For the Samaritans, Jesus could not have been the true Messiah. Because if he would be the true Messiah, then he will not go to Jerusalem. And hence, they rejected him. You see how false understanding concerning religion and prejudice can blind humans. If you have a false understanding, if you have a false standard by which you judge things, you would end up with false conclusion. And that's how everything in life are. If your standard by which uh, you judge things, if your lenses which you wear is colored, (laughs) say if you wear a yellow color glass, you just look everywhere. Everything is going to look yellow. Why? Because you are wearing a yellow color glass. (laughs) Similarly, if you have a if you have false understanding of uh, or false presuppositions, yes. 
everything is going to look color to you. Yes. And that's how many people reject Christ, because they have all kinds of false presuppositions, false understanding. Hindus and Muslims and atheists and agnostic, all of them yes. have a false presupposition. Yes. And false presupposition in spiritual matters will get you wrong conclusions. And uh, Samaritans, they had a false presupposition. They had a false understanding concerning religion, uh, concerning spiritual matters. And then on top of that, they were prejudiced against the Jews, as Jews were prejudiced against uh, the Samaritans. And hence, uh, that blinded them. They rejected Jesus. In rejecting him, they rejected the living waters, which would have become fountain of uh, springing water a fountain fountain of water springing up into everlasting life in them yes. in their rejection of Jesus based on prejudice and false understanding they rejected the very life itself yes. they missed the Messiah and we could make exactly the same mistake truth matters yes. right understanding of the things of God is critical and good doctrines make a difference so that's why we should uh, make our aim to uh, fill our minds with uh, good doctrines, with good yeah. teachings. Mm -hmm. yes. Good doctrines are life. We okay. should spend time. We should labor. We should uh, fight for it uh, without, without being mean to others, without putting others down. But uh, we should uh, study good doctrines so that we will not be deceived. If you learn erroneous doctrines or teachings, then one day you may be deluded. Mm -hmm. For the Samaritans, a Messiah going to Jerusalem was no Messiah at all. They stumbled at that point and rejected the light of the world. In verses of, in verse 52 and 53, we see the rejection of Jesus at the hands of the Samaritans. And now we will see the indignation of the disciples, especially John and James. <laughs> Luke shows us that when John, when James and John saw this, saw this, they said, "Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them as Elijah did?" Out of the out of the twelve, James and John had a very strong personality. <laughs> they had a very strong personality. And Mark 3 verse 17 shows us that Jesus had given them, them the name Boanerges. That's a difficult to pronounce, but Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. So they had a pretty bold personality. And last week we saw a little bit about them, especially in terms of their ambition, that they were highly ambitious too. They wanted prominence. They wanted to be prominent among the twelve. And now we see here their indignation. They both are highly offended at the rejection of their masters, uh, at their master. They are angry at the Samaritans. And they have a reason because the Samaritans rejected their master. How dare they could reject their master, their Lord. Just recently, they had seen the glory of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. They know that Jesus is no ordinary man. No ordinary man's face will shine as the face of Jesus shown on that mountain. Amen. Moses and Elijah uh, came to talk to him. And uh, uh, Moses and Elijah will not come and talk to any ordinary man. 
and then finally they heard the voice from heaven which said that he is my beloved son so everything on that mountain was extraordinary and they were eyewitnesses of the glory of jesus and these samaritans they just rejected their their master their lord that uh, they would not receive him now the solution of uh, John and James is to just barbecue them or to consume them with fire. They thought that every Samaritan in that village deserved to die because they had rejected the Son of God. And why not? Even Elijah in the Old Testament called for the fire from heaven when he was unjustly uh, being chased and hunted by the government when he was rejected by the people. Mm-hmm. So even he had called for uh, fire from heaven. He had a precedent uh, from the Old Testament. But here we see that Jesus rebuked them. For he says, you do not know what manner of spirit you are. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. The twelve were recently sent to preach the good news to preach the good news. Good news of the gospel that the kingdom of God had come to the people. And Jesus had told them that if anyone will not receive them, then they should just shake off the dust from their feet as a testimony against them. But he did not tell them to bring fire on them or to bring judgment on them. A day will come when judgment will come upon them. But that was not the time of judgment. That was the time of glad tidings. This was the this was a time of mercy. This was the time of long suffering. Uh, the long suffering of God was waiting patiently that these uh, people would uh, come to faith in the Messiah. Samaritans had still time to repent of their sin and receive uh, Christ. James and John were jealous for the honor of their master, but their zeal was not according to the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Their zeal was not according to their according to the knowledge. In their zeal, they forgot mercy and forgot that vengeance belonged to God. Yes. They forgot that vengeance belonged to God. Sometimes we could, in our zeal, we could be very condemning. Yes. We could we could become very angry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we share the gospel with uh, with someone. We try to uh, teach our neighbors uh, things concerning God, and sometimes things get heated. <laughs> and rarely it may happen that way. We may speak something which is not very wise or very uh, condu- conducive or very profitable. Sometimes we uh, we try to judge people before time comes. Um, when, when there is conflict in family or, or at workplace, we try to seek vengeance. But vengeance belongs to God. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. In their zeal, they forgot that this was the time of the Son of God saving men's life instead of destroying them. Luke shows us that Jesus just went to another uh, village with his disciples. He's not going to waste his time, uh, spending time uh, in trying to argue with them or you know, seeking vengeance immediately. His priority was something else. His mind was set 
to go to Jerusalem and to die for his people. For Jesus taking vengeance on the, the Samaritans was not his first priority. He did not want his primary mission to be jeopardized by secondary matters. Mm. How often uh, our primary mission to serve God and to glorify him and to labor for his kingdom get jeopardized by secondary matters. Oh, yeah, true. But Jesus' face was set towards Jerusalem. He just went to another village. That's it. Samaritans did not receive him. He went to another village, perhaps a village of the Galileans or the Jews. But Jesus prioritized, uh, prioritized the cross. Now look at uh, our next point, prior, priority by way of counting the cost. Priority by way of counting the cost. We looked at prioritizing the kingdom business by way of leaving vengeance to God. And now we look at prioritizing the kingdom business by counting the cost. Now, as a journey toward Jerusalem, someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. We don't know who this person is. And the same is true for the other two person uh, whom we'll see in a short while. But one thing we know is that he wants to follow Jesus. So this meeting has happened as Jesus was uh, going on his way to Jerusalem. So he is going to Jerusalem with his disciples and uh, there is someone who says he just want to follow Jesus. He want to follow Jesus wherever Jesus will go. And uh, uh, and uh, and he has given a good offer. He says, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Have you ever heard of offers which uh, seem too good to be true. You know, we often hear offers which uh, sound too good to be true. Once in a while I get uh, these kind of offers in the mail which are too good to be true. It's tempting but uh, I know that is not true. Those offers are too good to be true because they are not genuine offers at all. Yes. And our Jesus, Jesus knows the heart. Jesus knows what is in human heart, what is in a man's heart. Now, we don't know what his motivation was. Perhaps he wanted to follow Jesus because he wanted to cast out demons and perform uh, healings in the name of Jesus. Even today, people are throng, throng into such meetings. You know, wherever there is a healing service or a casting out demon service, you advertise that, everyone would throng to that service. Wow. You invite people, we are going to have the ministry of the word today, we are going to have a Bible Bible study today. How many people will come? No one want to come. No one will come or few a few faithful people would come to such meetings. Perhaps he thought that he would make money by casting out demon, the demons and perform healings. So he just gave an offer to Jesus so he could learn these things from Jesus. But Jesus knows the heart. Jesus uh, said to him, Jesus said to him that fox, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Foxes have holes to go and rest at the end of the day. Yes, sir. 
foxes, animals, they have homes. They can go and rest. They can lie down and they can rest. Birds of the air have nest to rest. Even they, at the end of the day, when it is dark, they go to their nest to rest. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He did not own any building or land or property. He never had any possessions. He just lived a simple, bare minimum life. And even that was his humiliation. Even Peter, John, and James, all other twelve, they had homes. But you don't read anything about Jesus. Jesus having any home or something like at least one thing he possessed. But, uh, uh, you know, you hear about like uh, the prophets of this world and uh, how people... uh, cherish uh, their treasure even like one single thing you find about them some shoe or some comb or you know something about that people cherish but we don't have anything about Jesus any possession of his any even a stick uh, you know we don't remember anything about uh, he having and uh, he didn't even have a place to rest so wherever he just went wherever he was he just uh, went and lay his head and there was So Jesus is saying to this man that the way of the Son of Man is suffering and want and not plenty. Mm. If you come with me, then you will suffer. You need to count the cost before you commit. Many men go into the ministry without without counting the cost. And they think that everything is going to be easy. Within a few years, they realize that things are not easy. It's complicated and there are difficulties. Wherever, wherever there are people, uh, you are going to have difficulties. That's how things are. And without counting the cause, they go into the ministry and within a few years, they just run away. But Jesus uh, is telling him to count the cost. It is going to cost you everything. One should count the cost as he decides to follow Jesus. One should count the cost as he decides to follow Jesus. Now to another guy, Jesus said, uh, follow me. The previous guy wanted to follow Jesus, but Jesus sent him back. But to this man, Jesus said, follow me. But he says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now, reading this text, it looks like he has a legitimate reason. He has a legitimate reason to go back to his house and bury his father. But some commentators point out that his father had not actually died. Because in ancient Jewish practice, they did not keep the body for a long time. Most of the time, within 24 hours, they would just bury bury their dad. They will not keep uh, the body for a long uh, time. Uh, so, most likely it was not this funeral day, otherwise he would have been just uh, uh, busy with that funeral arrangement. Jesus is on his road to Jerusalem. He's traveling with his disciples. So, most likely he met this man somewhere on the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so commentators say that most likely his father was in his advanced stages. Mm-hmm. He did not die, but he was in 
in his advanced stages. Mm -hmm. He was on the verge of dying, perhaps, mm -hmm. and, per and perhaps in a couple of weeks or in months, uh, he would have died, but there was still time. And uh, especially in those days, uh, he would have been surrounded by many friends and family members. In our society, we are very individualistic. Yes. But uh, those societies, uh, they had uh, many relatives and friends. So he would have been surrounded by other family members, yes. others who could have taken care of him. Uh, others who could have taken care of him. The Bible shows us that one should honor his father and mother. And you honor your parents uh, by taking care of them in their knees. And at times, that is a ministry which God calls us to do. Yes. And uh, But in this case, most likely... He had other people who would have taken care of his ailing father. But this man looks like he was using that as an excuse for not heeding the call of Jesus. He was using that as an excuse to not heeding the call of Jesus. There were others who would have taken care of his father, but he could uh, and he could have just followed Jesus because it is Jesus himself. Who called him to follow him. Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. <clears throat> By default, all human beings are dead in their sins and trespasses. And this is the biblical view. Mm -hmm. There are people, there are people who say that we are not truly dead. You know, there are people who say that we are not truly dead. Uh, we are kind of uh, free, living. We have free will and uh, you just believe in Jesus and you just uh, activate, uh, you know, your will and just choose Jesus. But Jesus saying, let the dead bury their own dead. In the sight of Jesus, all human beings by default are dead in their sins and trespasses. Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God because it is through the preaching of God's word that the dead are brought to life. Amen. Dead are brought to life. Preaching of the kingdom of God to dead sinners take priority over even temporal relations, over temporal matters. It takes priority over your parents too. Jesus said, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Your calling is to serve God instead of making family excuses. Mm -hmm. now, when, now to another one. Uh, another one said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. This is someone who wants to follow Jesus. But he first wanted to go to his house and give a farewell party. And again, more than us, Jesus knows much better. He knows what is going in our heart. Yes. He knows what is going on in your heart right now. Amen. It is not hidden from him. Amen. Whatever you go through, whatever, you, whatever your mind is thinking, yes. even something before... Even something before is on your lips. He knows that. He knows that. He says that he just wants to go to his house and give a farewell party. But Jesus finds him unfit for the kingdom of God. For he says, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is 
fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus uses a farm imagery here. You don't put your hand to the plow and look back. If you look back, then you mess up the whole field. <laughs> Better than that would have been if you wouldn't have begun at first place. The person about whom Jesus is speaking here sounds like someone who has a divided attention, who has a divided heart. If you have divided attention, then you cannot serve Christ. If your heart is divided over this thing and that thing, and you also decide, uh, you also decide to uh, serve Christ, no, it, it will not happen. Your mind will always be somewhere. You can only serve Christ uh, if you are single, focused on Him alone. If you have a divided heart, then you are not fit for the kingdom of God. There are many people, uh, many people who go astray. Uh, first. Uh, they decide to follow Jesus. Uh, they decide that I'm going to go to church now on a regular basis. I'm going to grow in godliness. Uh, I'm going to mature in my discipleship. But they have all kinds of commitment. Yes. They have a commitment on Fridays to do this. They have a commitment to with friends to do this. They have commitment uh, towards their career, towards this and that and everything. Their mind is always divided. And when it, come, when it comes to the things of God, they just don't have time. Mm -hmm. Even on Sunday, they don't have time because their heart is divided. And Jesus says, no one having put his hand to the floor and looking, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Like Abraham, you must be ready to leave your kindred to go to a new place if God calls you. And it is very clear. And like Moses, you must be ready to turn your back uh, on those uh, who have brought you up in this life. If they are unrepentant and ungodly, if they try to keep you away from Christ, yes. then you should be ready to turn your back on them. Such decided conduct may entail sore trials on your affections. It may wring your hearts to go contrary to the opinions of those you love. But such conduct may sometimes be positively necessary to your salvation. And without it, when it becomes necessary, you are unfit for the kingdom of God. Jesus kept going towards Jerusalem, leaving the vengeance to God and counting the cost. Nothing disturbed his peace, whether it was the rejection of the Samaritans or the divided heart of those who, who were not willing to follow him. He gladly endured the cross so that you may have eternal life. He invites you to labor for his kingdom, even though the atmosphere is very unfav unfavorable in this, uh, in this uh, world. It will cost you something for a few years, but you would, you would reap eternal rewards in heaven. May the Lord help you to prioritize his kingdom over every other affairs of this world as we pray. Our oh, gracious Heavenly Father, what a joy for us uh, to think, uh, meditate, and understand about all what Jesus did. Even in this passage, we see his heart for his people. 
His mind was set on the cross. His mind was set on the cross so that uh, by his death on the cross, his people would have everlasting life. He loved us with an everlasting life and he suffered for us and he gladly went to the cross. Oh Lord, we pray that uh, uh, this love would be in our hearts and out of uh, true love for you and out of true gratitude for you, we would uh, give our life uh, for your kingdom. We would labor for the things which never perishes. We would labor for an eternal inheritance. We thank you for all what you are doing in our lives and we thank you for your word. We pray that you would continue to mold us in the image of Christ. We ask this prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you were blessed by this sermon, we invite you to visit us at abqreformed.org, where you'll find more information about our ministry. We look forward to you joining us again, online or in person. Until then, may peace, comfort, and grace be given to you through our Lord Jesus Christ.